Hi, and welcome to Conversations for the Animals. My name is Lisa Tynan. I'm with Houston Pet Set, and I am joined today by Katie Evers, founder of Katie's Foster Fam and social media goddess. Oh, God. Um, <laughs> no pressure, but a lot of pressure. Um, and I'm excited today as somebody who spends a lot of time doing social media um, to talk to you not only about your fabulous organization, but also about your success online in the online world and fundraising and doing nonprofit in a completely new, relatively speaking way where, you know, people who have been a nonprofit for decades are having to completely navigate something they've never seen before, which is online fundraisers <laughs> and social media influencing and all the different types of social media. Um, so we're going to break it down today and we're going to help some of our rescue friends uh, and our non-rescue friends who are interested in the world of animal welfare um, navigate these sometimes treacherous waters because uh, social media can be scary. Yeah, also. yeah. No, thank you so much for having me. I'm thank excited you. to be here, excited to share what, you know, experience, knowledge I have with the rescue world on social media as it, well. It is. It's a crazy place. But before we get into that, um, I want to talk to you about you. You are the founder of Katie's Foster Fam, um, which I will admit I didn't know about until recently, until I started working with Houston Pet Set. But like now I've seen what you do and you do a lot for an all volunteer organization. You do focus primarily on medical fosters. Is that right? Yes, absolutely. Yeah. So we are newer. Um, we founded in May of 2021. Oh, so um, you are really new. Yes, okay, so it's not yes. just I didn't know you. You um, didn't exist. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so I have been rescuing, you know, in Houston for almost 10 years now. So I've been around. I've just yeah. been really behind the scenes as well as, you know, on some social media behind the scenes for many other rescues mm -hmm. in the in the community, excuse me. And I basically got with some fellow volunteers and really talked about, you know, our love for medical cases, mm -hmm. uh, more difficult cases that understandably a lot of rescues can't take. Right. Um, they're, you know, harder um, medically, they're harder emotionally sometimes as well as financially. Right. Um, so during, um, during the COVID, start of COVID times when we were home a lot, I was doing a lot more on social media and really got with some of those volunteers and said, you know, I think I think we can do this. Like, why am I not just yeah. doing it myself? Um, so with a team, we, um, you know, founded in May and we do we focus on more medical special needs. Mm -hmm. That could mean like special needs, like a puppy with a cleft palate that mm -hmm. ends up needing surgery, needs special feedings yeah. when younger. And those surgeries, you know, can range up to four thousand dollars just for one surgery. And so that's a, a hard take for a rescue to know that it's coming in going to minimum cost you, you know, four thousand. Right. And then not including complications. Right. And uh, so we focus on more of that. The medical as well, like, you know, a dog hit by a car, needs somewhere to go. Um, that's what we tend to focus on. But mm -hmm. of course, you know, in Houston, we end up with everything. <laughs> Anything and everything. Yes, exactly. And so, yeah, it's been it's been good. I You know, it's been a, a major learning curve. Uh, founding a rescue versus volunteering yeah. for one. And like you said, we are all volunteer, including yeah. myself. I came, you know, straight here from teaching. So, <laughs> um, so we're definitely all busy outside of rescue as well. And I always tell people, I say, but this is my, my fun job, my unpaid fun job. Exactly. <laughs> it's, it's so interesting when we, you know, just when you interact with people in the rescue world, uh, for a lot of people, this is like if you could be paid full time to do it, it might not mean as much as if you're you have a full time job that you're doing all the other time. So this is sort of like your passion and your yes. passion project. And so it, I, I, it, it offers a different perspective, which I think is is unique and, and wonderful. Um, 
So what was it when you fostered? Did you did you just do medical? I mean, is it is there something about you that that is drawn to those sort of cases, you know, because they are harder and they can be heartbreaking. I mean, how is how did you as a as Katie fall in love with that sort of thing? Yeah, so I didn't start out fostering medical. Um I I just kind of said yes to anything and everything. I kind of wanted to experience. I also, um, you know, majored in science. I have my master's in science. So I was always a big science nerd and still am. And I love the science aspect behind the medical as well. And so I was always pretty decent at separating um, some of those emotions in a medical setting. Mm -hmm. I say decently because obviously I love these dogs and and cats. And, you know, if anything goes wrong, it's still devastating. But... But yeah, so I like I said, I kind of just said yes. And after saying yes to some major medical, including like my first ever mange foster was a friend who works at a um, a fire station. He oh. just sent me a picture of this dog that was medical tied up at their fire station. And I was like, yes, let's do it. And I just fell in love with the transformations. You know, yeah. I fell in love with giving them an opportunity for that transformation, even if, you know, not all are going to make it. I have to, you know, remember that they wouldn't have made it if they hadn't been given a chance. And, you know, like you, you know, so well, when it comes to Houston, if you don't say yes, then they just truly don't get a chance. Um, It's not a matter of someone else will do it. So I, I did and I fell in love and those, um, you know, like I said, those transformations really suckered me in and getting to see them as medical to a normal, happy dog and and an adoptive home really suck just, yeah, I just fell in love with that. And so obviously some of the animals come in from mm-hmm. people who just contact you directly. Mm-hmm. Where else are they coming from? Are you getting calls from shelters? Are you getting calls from other rescues? How do they how do they come into your care? Yeah, kind of all of the above. Like, absolutely. Um, we get from the streets. We get strays. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we have volunteers, including myself, who will literally go out to the streets yep. and pick them up. Um, there's a lot of independent rescuers who are, um, go out and feed stray animals mm-hmm. as well. And if they see major medical that they know needs an immediate help, they'll reach out as well. Um, we do pull from shelters. We pull from Barrick, Harris County, and some other um, nearby shelters as mm-hmm. well. Um, I definitely just now at this point get a lot of, hi, Katie, here's this dog. <laughs> yeah. um, so pretty much every way you can imagine. Uh, we do take, you know, some owner surrenders as well. Okay. Um, if it comes to that, we try and, you know, we, we've talked more about other opportunities to allow people to keep their dogs and things like that too. Yeah, but that. sometimes their best option is to surrender. And so we've done all of the above. Sure. And and then the ultimate goal, obviously, is to get them adopted. Are mm-hmm. you do you only do it local adoptions? Do you adopt out? Do you transport out of state? Do you have whatever works? Do you have a, a plan when it comes to that? Yeah, absolutely. We definitely do. Like you said, kind of whatever works and whatever is best for the animal. Um, we are a smaller rescue, which mm-hmm. means we try and keep less animals in our system at a time. Sure. Um, I say smaller. It's still, at, I would say it averages about 20. Um, it's, you know, it's a still a good number, yeah. but we try and keep it around that because we do take the more medical. So we're right. always on the phone with vets, always right. going to vets as well as um, focusing on, you know, where can we get them adopted? Right. So we work with out-of-state rescues to transport if they're not getting adopted locally. Um, we also will transport to adopters nice. if they are out-of-state too. Um, we have a really awesome some volunteer team who can, you know, keep up, help get some transports yeah. done. And we've had a lot of really good success with in and out of state adoptions. How many volunteers and, and fosters do you have just generally? <laughs> um, we have a, a Facebook page of just volunteers and fosters with a little over 100 people. Oh, wow. um, and when each 
you know, participates really just depends. Sometimes yeah. it's busy season for them. Um, we have a solid about about six people who are we could call like coordinators and mm -hmm. um you know i call them like the bosses <laughs> um it's like they're all volunteers so all right. you know unpaid um but they are the you know consistent team i have a really awesome medical coordinator um adoption coordinator marketing awesome. things like that awesome i love that so i i'll i'm gonna check in briefly this is yeah. conversations for the animals i am lisa and this is katie evers with katie's foster fam um one of the things that i find so um, fun about your group in particular is your ability to tell a story. And you mentioned you are drawn to those transformations. And I have a sneaking suspicion that that is what draws a lot of your audience to your content as well, is that you show some incredible transformations. I mean, animals who look like if you had passed them on the street, you would have just assumed that they had perished to happy, bouncy, healthy. Um, is, is that... I mean, what is, what is, I don't want to say what is the secret to your success, because that's like, that's a, a really weird question to ask. But do you find yourself focusing on those transformations for your social media content? Is that what is getting people engaged? Yeah, yeah, it definitely is one of the main things like I, you know, even have it like I'll say like not a tagline, like a little bio, like if you're here for dog transformations, you're in the right spot. Right. Yeah. Um, so it definitely is a lot of the transformation, but it really just comes down to, you know, the story as well as I really focus on transparency. Mm. Um, I There's a lot that goes behind the scenes of rescue that a lot of rescues understandably don't want to share. It, it can be hard. It can be confusing. Right. Um, if you're not, you know, involved in the every single decision, it can be hard to understand. Um, so I have very, worked very hard to build a community on social media that um, kind of trusts me through transparency. Mm -hmm. And I want them to know the ins and outs of, you know, what's happening all the way from, like you said, picking up a dog on the side of the road that and nobody, somebody might have said, you know, it needs to be euthanized, let, like it's time to let it go to showing them like when I give them a chance, you know, this transformation, sometimes we have this, you know, amazingly healthy yeah. dog who was lucky to have that chance and getting to see the ups and downs along the way. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I share when they don't make it. Mm -hmm. I share when they have a bad day. I share when they have great days. Yeah. Um, I share when one doesn't get along with the dogs in my home and I'm stressed because I have to separate them. Mm -hmm. um, you know, the really the good and the bad of what, what fostering and running a rescue means. And I do just try really hard to, to share all of that um, because I think that, you know, when people are, are donating or sharing or spending their money, their mm -hmm. time on an organization that it really means a lot. Um, if they know what their money's going to, they yeah. know, you know, kind of what, what's going on in that rescue. And so even before I started my rescue, I, you know, did the same with my fosters. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, like I say, my, I have my social media family, um, and especially on Instagram, they are very much there for me. You know, I've lost medicals yeah. where I've said I needed time and I'll come back to all these kind messages Aww. reminding me, you know, all the good I do. And, and it, it definitely is really, really awesome. And, you know, social media can be hard. <laughs> <It> can. <laughs> um, there's always going to be the haters yep. and the negative the comments trolls, yeah. and the trolls. Absolutely. But, um, you know, for every one of those, there's 200 comments of somebody else um, being supportive. And, you know, at the end of the day, it's just it's it's the truth. I'm sharing what happened and mm -hmm. I'm sharing, you know, I'm always doing my best and spinning. I always say, I'm like, I'm spinning every free waking moment trying to save lives. That's no it. kidding. You, if you're judging that, like you need to find a new hobby. <laughs> yeah. And and you touched a little bit on on the fact that people are, are spending their hard earned mm -hmm. money with you. And I think that transparency that builds trust, that's going to say to someone, well, I know that that dollar that I worked really hard to earn 
is going to go to good use. And even if it doesn't work out for this animal, I know that dollar is going to go to help the next animal that that Katie's foster fam brings in. Um, so that kind of brings me to the the main crux of this, which is these days, a lot of not just smaller rescues, but even large scale mm -hmm. shelters are doing a, a lot. Of, I don't want to say a majority, but a lot of fundraising online in the social media sphere. And it always seems like there are some people like y'all who are crushing it, who post, you know, one Facebook fundraiser for one animal and it's up in the several thousands. And then it's sort of you, you see those other groups who are are desperately trying to get any attention on a, the, an animal who is just as worthy mm -hmm. of those funds, but they just aren't gaining the same traction. So I have a feeling a lot of our listeners are going <laughs> to turn the volume up on this part. <laughs> I mean, in your experience, what do you find gets people to open up their digital wallets and and start and press that donate button? Yeah, um, it, it's hard. And, it, and it's hard also because it is about it's about transparency. It's mm -hmm. about a good picture, a good story, but it's also a lot about algorithms, you know, okay. and like, so with that, you know, a lot of, a lot of rescues get into a very business mindset on social media when really it needs to feel a little more personal. Mm -hmm. Um, I have done very, very well, like you said, web fundraising on my, um, my platform and my Instagram, and I'm very thankful for that. But I also, I think part of that is I'm not asking for funds every single day. Right. Um, I, it's a lot of, you know, sh just sharing with them the stories and then an out like a very obvious okay you know we need this money because of this mm -hmm. or we need the funds because of this and then you know uh this is how many lives we've saved i think that a, a lot of the time we very understandably get busy mm -hmm. and social media kind of gets pushed to the side of mm -hmm. not updating on a certain dog you know five times that week or things like that because we're volunteers right. and we have things to do and we're on the phone with vets all day rather than posting it on social media mm -hmm. but really truly those social media posts like a lot of these people, you know, it might to us just look like a comment and we don't know if, you know, it's a fake comment, if it's a troll, but right. it, a lot of the, like the majority of them are real people that shed tears for these dogs, care mm -hmm. about these dogs. And the second you don't give, um, give the updates, um, then they start to lose trust that their, their money is going to, to this good organization or to actually, you know, save that dog. And, and they're following because they want the updates because they right. want the story. So it's consistency. It's, you know, building that trust with them, that relationship and remembering that these people are not just, you know, it's not a dollar, it's a human that donated right. their dollar. Um, and we really do prioritize a lot on social media. Mm -hmm. um, you know, we like when I say we prioritize it, I mean, there's a lot of grants we need to apply for that we haven't <laughs> um, and things like that. And it's because we spend so much time building this that we mm -hmm. we are able to rely on a lot of social media for our um, fundraising. And right. yeah, so, you know, it just comes down to building that story and trust with everyone. Um, I also think a lot of it is building some of that before asking for donations. Sure. Um, I My situation is a little bit different in that I started my Instagram as a foster. Mm -hmm. So I didn't, I never asked for donations. I, you know, I definitely built 
more of a following after starting the rescue as well. So it's not, you know, impossible or anything, right. but I, I definitely told more of the story and the situations versus just asking for funds um, and and consistently built that community mm -hmm. to show them like this truly is what I'm doing every day. You know, right. um, stories help, live help because a picture is hard. And I also, um, a face helps, a human face. Absolutely. Um, people have stolen my pictures and tried to raise funds um, based on dogs. And so I remind people like, here's me actually with the dog, you know, like I, like I care about these dogs, even if it's not at my house, I go to the hospital, I go yeah. to the foster's home, um, and check on them because, you know, if, if I'm asking people to, you know, spend all this on it, then I'm like, no, look, like I, here I this am with me. the dog. Like, you know, he, it is me, it is with my rescue and, and it, and it is hard these days on social media to notice a scam, right? Yeah. Like I said, people have stolen my pictures, so there's scams everywhere. So, so people do a lot of time jump to like, is this real? Mm -hmm. What's really happening? Is this just like, you know, a, a trying to capture attention to get right. money? Um, yeah, and so I think I and also reminding people, you know, as like when you're a five hundred one c three, when you're raising these funds, like the IRS is checking up on oh, you. Yeah. You know, everything you spend is public. It's you know, we have to prove everything on our taxes. And so showing people like, you know, that's what your donations are going toward. Like mm -hmm. there are checks and balances here and we're, you know, held to a high standard Absolutely. as that. Um, and so that's why I also, I never ever raised funds until I had that 501. Um, I wanted to do it by the book, yeah. making sure everybody knew that, that, they could support me. And that goes along with that trust and transparency yes, thing. Yes, yes. So you mentioned before we we uh, got on the air here that you're primarily on Instagram. What are you on all of the platforms and you just focus on that? And what led you to that platform in particular? Yeah. So what's interesting is what kind of built any of my social media in general was TikTok, right. um, which is which is super interesting because I refused to get TikTok. I was one of those. Me I too. was like, I'm not doing it. I was like two years late. Yes, save. And so then I got it during COVID, and I realized that there was not a lot out there. It wasn't a saturated, you know, platform yet of dog transformations. Yeah. And I was like, I have a million dog transformation <laughs> videos just Seriously. sitting in my phone. I literally have like, I need another phone. I'm running yeah. out of room. Um, I'm constantly paying for more storage on my dog transformation <laughs> videos. So I just started putting them on there and just started sharing and they would actually then go follow my Instagram. Okay. Um, and so that kind of like shared there. And then I would just make the videos in TikTok and then share them on Instagram. Mm -hmm. And so that built there. And I just wasn't focused on Facebook at mm -hmm. the time. In my mind, Facebook was like friends, family. Right. And I felt bad asking my friends and family for donations and like rescue. I felt like they were like annoyed by me at this point. I was oh, like, it's Katie again. Yeah, another yeah. dog. Yeah. Um, so I did that because of that, because it was a totally different, it wasn't friends and family, okay. um, but it also targeted a younger audience. Mm -hmm. So one of the big differences I've noticed between donations on Facebook and donations on Instagram are Facebook donations tend to be older crowd and they donate more at a time. Okay. With Instagram, I've noticed that some of my donations and, and the platform is very big on like $5 Friday and things like that, like more. And a lot of them in their early 20s are wanting to help. And so they donate $2 here and there. But that adds up very quickly, you know, yeah. when you have thousands of followers. So building that platform, while it seems like, you know, you might not be targeting a more wealthy audience, you're targeting mm -hmm. people with just as great hearts who donate right. what they can. And, and it really is just, you know, I, I like, I remind, I'm like every single dollar helps like Absolutely. every single one. There is no 
like amount that, oh, you didn't donate this much. Like every single dollar means just as much and right. is so helpful for donations. And I think um, remembering that and building on those platforms. So I really did that with Instagram. And now I'm like working backwards and trying to build my Facebook following <laughs> yeah. for the rescue. Yeah. Um, and because that also is a completely different pool of of followers, supporters, donors. And mm. we talk a lot about donations, but these platforms are important for adopters, Absolutely. fosters, um, volunteers, mm -hmm. you know, like I'm like, oh, I'm going to get burnt out working uh, events every single work weekend if, you know, I didn't have volunteers helping me and things like that. Mm -hmm. So like you said, networking, right? Yeah. And I tell everybody, I'm like, if I, you don't have to donate a dollar to help, you can share a post yep. because you share a post. You never know who wanted to adopt that dog or who saw that and was like, oh, I would love to start donating. So, you know, not even just donating like every single one of mm -hmm. those things, whether it's Facebook or Instagram, is going to help a rescue and you could save a dog's life. And content wise. So obviously there are different mm -hmm. audiences. So, you know, is uh, Instagram feels like it's more photo than video, but there's also reels, mm -hmm. which I know you have a lot of success with your reels on Instagram and Facebook. It changes every other week what the Facebook yeah. algorithm chooses to promote. So generally, do you have a formula of what goes on what platform? Yeah, I do. So on Instagram, if I have good videos, so on Facebook, um, as a rescue, you can't share photos and videos at the same time. Right. Which is, um, yeah, it is very frustrating. Very annoying. So all like for the majority of the time, Instagram and Facebook are linked together mm -hmm. and I focus on those Instagram algorithms mm -hmm. and let it push out to Facebook. Okay. But if it, it does have videos, I'll include them on Instagram and then we'll post separately on Facebook because some of those videos are helpful. Sure. Um, I've noticed that carousels work better on Instagram, which okay. if you don't know what that is, it's just putting swipe, multiple. Swipe, swipe. So you swipe through. Mm -hmm. um, those do better because what happens is they'll re-push out the post to people okay. if they didn't view every single one. Ah. So like if you've ever noticed, if you've been scrolling Instagram and you saw a picture and you're like, I thought I just looked at this person's post, but it was actually like starting at the third picture or something. It's because they're re-pushing it out to you if you didn't look at every single one of them. Huh. So that's like definitely I like, I, notes. I'm like, hold on a second. So that's definitely something to like think about when, mm -hmm. you know, posting versus one picture. Honestly, the only time I really post one picture is if it's like a standout, has a purpose for being the only picture. Yeah. Like... Um, a before and after picture okay. um, that might be posted by itself. And those definitely do very well. You know, eye catching. It's a yeah. good story. Um, I also I am a very big caption person. I mm -hmm. tell a story in a caption. It's very rare. You'll see me post, you know, not an essay in a right. caption. <laughs> um, it, You know, I, I like to have a, a something to go along with it. Mm -hmm. That tends to be a bigger deal on Instagram than mm -hmm. on Facebook as well. Facebook, the pictures sometimes can do just as well um, with a very short um, caption. It mm -hmm. also depends on if they already know the animal. Um, okay. If it's if it's a brand new animal, it needs a story. If right. they don't know, if they're not going to stop because they don't know who it is, and it, you know, you need a story. Yeah. If it's an animal that they already know, you could give it a short caption and just checking in, like a quick update. That that's better than just not doing an update that day. Sure. Um, and especially with some of these animals that do gather, you know, more viral attention mm -hmm. um, for whatever reason. And honestly, I joke, I'm like, I never know which animal. I never know. If only there was a way that we could just have <laughs> it pinpointed and know exactly what to say and what to do that was going to send an animal viral. But yeah. Sometimes so I'm like, oh, this one. Okay. Like, I mean, I love them all the same. Yeah. So I'm like, okay, <laughs> this one everybody loves or one that I thought everyone was going to love, you know, and not to say they don't love them, but it doesn't just get as much, you know, social media attention. And and it is it is definitely one of those things where on social media, the vi more visually 
um, sad. They look that that fundraising does better. Mm -hmm. um, those cleft palate puppies, we barely raise any funds. And every yeah. single surgery is about $4,000, but they don't raise that. They're so cute already. Because they're already <laughs> cute. And you can't tell that, yeah. you know, if they hadn't been taken in by rescue, they wouldn't have made it. Because yeah. with the cleft palate, they have to be tube fed. Mm -hmm. If they're nursing off mom, they won't survive. So they, um, yeah, they, they, you can't tell by looking at them that anything's wrong and people just see a cute, usually bulldog type yep. mix and, um, they don't raise as many. So it is also one of those things where, um, you know, rescues do have to think about, you know, okay, how many funds did we raise with this one? What mm -hmm. does that mean we can intake? Cause at the end of the day, the bills have to be paid. Right. Um, and so it's, it's hard, you know, separating that from like, I want to save every single dog to, okay, where are we at fundraising wise? Right. Uh, because our hearts would take them all, but right. then you just end up in a situation where you're you're stuck and you can't save more. Right. Now, obviously you don't have all of the animals Correct. in your care. <laughs> so that means your fosters are also responsible for gathering some of this content. Do you do social media training with them? Do they send it all to you and you put it all together? How does that work? Yeah, so I have like a couple, you know, how to take good pictures and stuff like that on, um, a document when they start fostering. Could I be better at it? Absolutely. Sure. We could all <laughs> be better. Yeah. We're learning, yeah. um, you know, as we go through the rescue. But I have a lot of amazing fosters who are just great at sending pictures and updates. Nice. I also am queen of like any other volunteer. If you see one of our dogs, you get good pictures. Mm -hmm. You get videos and you send them to me immediately. Yeah. Um, I'm like, I don't care what the reason was. You just <laughs> sit them do down it. and take them all. I'm yeah. like, you know, I'm, I'm annoying and constantly asking for pictures and videos and and things like that. And whenever we first intake them, sometimes I'll go there and help take those intake pictures. Mm -hmm. So that way I at least have them. Um, and, and yeah, and so it, it definitely just has become one of those things where they see we, the need. And, and honestly, my fosters are great about it. Um, awesome. They've been really awesome. And if they're ever not, I have, you know, some volunteer photographers who I'll be like, okay, you know, we really need some good pictures of this dog. Let's go ahead and go there okay. for that. Um, and, and stuff like that. And what, and I'm starting one of these things with my volunteers. We have, like I said, a private Facebook page. Mm -hmm. Um, and in that I'm doing like once a month, a quick live on there explaining something. Um, and one of those we'll do about, you know, getting, getting your foster adopted yeah. basically, um, which will include, you know, getting pictures, updates, things like that, because yeah, I mean, thankfully we get lots of them from them because a, a, a picture intake and a picture when needing adoption is not the same as that story of like, yeah, in between. Yeah. Um, like, so we definitely have been lucky with fosters That's doing awesome. a good job. And I, I have a, a sneaking suspicion that people who are drawn to your organization <laughs> probably saw that big social media presence. And we're like, I could totally be with this organization because I take 3 million pictures <laughs> of my own pet. So I could do this. There's, there's probably a link there somewhere. Um, what do you do when confronted with the negative side of social media? I mean, it's it's always hard to fathom that somebody would come on a post of an animal in need who is being helped and have a negative something negative to say. But it happens. Yeah. It happens a lot, including from other people in animal welfare, which always boggles my mind that we're like cannibalizing each other. But yeah. but how do you handle it? How do you train your fosters and volunteers to handle it? Yeah, so I try and do a lot of upfront prep for that, um, especially with some of these posts. So like, you know, with some of these, we get hundreds of thousands of views on some of these posts and um, it's going to come with the territory. Right. Um, I had to learn quickly and I didn't expect how quickly like my 
the growth happened very yeah. like you know very very fast which Exploded. i think is what what happens with yeah. social media it goes from you know zero to a hundred and um and having to preface before i post with my team with myself kind of you know okay people aren't gonna like this we're gonna get both you know both mindsets no yeah. matter what we do so we just need to remember that we are 100% making every single decision for the dogs. Right. We're not doing it for the people. We're not doing it for social media. You know, I would never keep a dog alive because social media wants me to keep it alive. Right. I would never euthanize a dog because social media told me to. Um, and so we, you know, we, were, you know, talk as a team, say every single decision, did we make it for the dog? Yes. Then that's all we can do. Mm -hmm. We can be transparent and then know that the negatives are going to come. Um, it's a really an internal battle of do we delete and block or do we leave them? Because hate comments are actually really good for algorithms. Do you, uh, hold on. So <laughs> is it good because the platform pushes it or because other people respond to it? Other people respond. Okay. okay. So it gets engagement. Yes. yes. Okay. It gets engagement. I was about and to so... be really mad at Facebook. No, and no, no, no. Like, Facebook yeah. and Instagram aren't pushing it out okay. more, but what's happening is more people are going to see it. Okay. Um, and so, and it's hard though, because it's like, I don't, if it has anything that would hurt a foster's feelings, I would delete it. Sure. Um, if it would be my own, then I'm like, I don't care enough. Like, you know, I'm like used to it at this point. Yeah. I'm like, I know that what I did was right. Um, and also I have, you know, a lot of supporters who immediately reply and are right. like, no, yeah. like, do you know what she's doing? I'm like, thank you. <laughs> I know. I'm like, thank you. Um, but like I said, if it's anything that could be harmful, um, you know, mentally or anything to a, another foster or volunteer, then I'll just delete and block because it's not worth it. Right. And I don't want them, you know, seeing or hearing anything that would make them sad. Um, and so I definitely... Yeah, I, I it's so, like I said, sometimes I'll leave them because I'm like, it doesn't matter. Right. It's whatever. Um, you know, we recently had um, lost one of ours that had a lot of attention. And so, of course, came the comments and emails, which is crazy. They find a way to email of that, you know, we did everything wrong. And of I'm course, like, always. But, you know, people just don't know and they get passionate. And sometimes it's trolls. Sometimes people mean well, even mm -hmm. with some rude comments, they think a certain way right. um so like i said we just remember that every single decision we make we make with a professional vet staff with yeah. a, a, you know opinions from other staff from each other and with right. the dog's best interest in mind not to make someone happy on social media right do you generally speaking follow like a hashtag do not engage like i i i'm I'll, i will support this with evidence i have seen on social media and and i don't i I am a big proponent of hiding comments when you can hide them mm -hmm. rather than because then what happens when you delete a comment? If you don't block, that person just comes right back and says, I can't believe you deleted yes. my comment. Then it's a whole new thing. But what I have seen, which makes me cringe, is when the rescues themselves are responding and getting mm -hmm. into fights with people. Um, and I, I go back and forth because I do appreciate the point of view of defending decisions or defending people um, in the organization but it also just make it's it's almost like it's don't feed the trolls, right? Yeah. Like don't. So it feels like there there might be some situations where standing up for yourself seems right. Um, but I I kind of tend to lean towards your delete and block or just ignore. Yeah. Um, have you ever found yourself in a situation where you have felt like you've needed to stand up for yourself and explain or or do you just you know it, it depends on the comment it depends on the post because some of these posts have 10,000 comments right and so it's like I can't keep up anyways sure so if someone's commenting something mean I'm not likely I'm not even seeing it then there's the in-between where it's 
hundreds of comments where if I take the time, mm -hmm. I can see it. But I also don't have to take the time to look at every comment. That's true. So if I am looking at it, I'm like, don't engage, don't engage, like whatever. Um, but there are some times where, although it comes across rude, sometimes I feel like a quick kind reply mm -hmm. can actually be educational, yeah. not only for the person that's commenting, but for other people reading it. Right. Sometimes that's what I try and think like it. Can I make a quick, again, kind and respectful? I will never argue. I will mm -hmm. never go back and forth with someone. Um, but can I make a quick educational comment that can help other people? Right. Then I might. But yeah, if it's especially on Facebook, um, Facebook, I'm just like, just don't engage. Um, don't, it's like a you know, don't go back and forth. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I would say the same with most things on Facebook. Yeah. You know, it's it's not we, we have to remember that now we're an organization. It's mm -hmm. no longer just a couple like, you know, I'm not uh, someone on Facebook just, you know, passionate right. about dogs making this comment. Now I represent an organization and right. everything I do and say goes back on that organization. So I have to really, really think about that in whether it's Instagram or Facebook. So, mm -hmm. so yeah, I mean, it is a case by case, but I think honestly, if you're unsure, do not engage yeah. is a solid choice because not engaging is just the, a safer route. And it's better for your mental health, it is. I find, because what happens when you, like in your heart and head, you think if I reply, I'm going to shut them down and that's going to, but doesn't they doesn't work. always come back. <laughs> they always come back and it's never, you're never fighting the same battle. It's always a mess. So I, I, I think for all of us, for our mental health mm -hmm. sake, do not engage should be our general yeah. mantra for it. Um, and I know something you said, you mentioned sort of stuck out to me and I think where we run into, we, as in the entire animal welfare community, run into trouble is, yes, we represent organizations, but it is such an emotion-driven industry that it is, it can sometimes feel impossible to let that go or to yeah. let it be without getting involved. But what I find is that those quick replies, because I've seen the difference between that, because a lot of times you can, with a very gentle, kind reply, you're not going to necessarily change anybody's mind, but you diffuse the situation. They don't yes. become combative. And it's possible that they have just gained a little more respect for your organization. They might come back with a different angle, whereas it's almost guaranteed if you pick a fight with somebody, you've yeah. lost them and all of their friends as potential supporters, volunteers, fosters. Yeah, and and like I said, I think it's important to think about it from the mindset of who else reading that. This mm -hmm. is not a private conversation. Right. So even if you are, you know, whatever you're saying back to them, everybody's seeing. Right. If you come back combative, everybody's like, what is this organization doing? Like, yeah. why are they, you know, engaging like this? That's not, you know, that doesn't make sense for an organization. Mm -hmm. And it is emotional. And you do want to say these things sometimes. Sometimes yeah. I'll like screenshot, talk to the team and be like, <laughs> why are people saying this? That's what those private messages yes. are for. Absolutely. Um, but not to post, you know, publicly. And also because the people that I'm sending something to privately know my heart, right. know, you know, their hearts, know what we're doing behind the scenes. And people randomly scrolling on Facebook don't. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, do not engage. Do not engage. <laughs> and I, I will like as a, an alternative, because I know um, in in previous positions I've had oftentimes uh, if, if you know a larger conversation needs to be had with somebody, um, if they are an influential person, for example, and they are they're clearly wrong about something we have. I found success with we would love to have this conversation mm -hmm. with you over the phone. Could you send us a, a private message? We want to be able to communicate with this. But this is not the forum. Um, most of the time they shut it down. They just, they, they don't want to put the effort forth. Right. They're like, I'm, I'm over it. I've moved on. But I, I feel like that shows a willingness to engage, but in a professional way. Yes. It's definitely weird to find that balance of 
ignoring, mm-hmm. do not engage right. versus ignoring. Cause sometimes people are like asking you questions that they want to know answers to, or yeah. they're, you know, big donors or even just supporters. Like yep. you don't have to donate to be someone we care about. Right. And so it's, it's a, like, you know, what kinds of questions are they asking? Also, if they're not asking it in a respectful way, I'm not going to sure. engage. But sometimes they ask something that could be taken kind of as like an attack, but mm-hmm. maybe they mean it well. Um, so saying it something like that, like in another platform or like, let's email, let's talk about this. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, we also get sometimes, you know, angry adopters or things like that commenting when um, honestly, a lot of the time it's miscommunication sure. on something like we did send an email back, they didn't get it or something like that. Right. And so a lot of the time for that, a very quick, you know, respectful, like, like, oh, we, we acknowledge that you didn't get yeah. this. Like, we're going to try to send an email another way. Or can sure. you send us a message so we can make sure we have the right email? Not like, and even then you have to be very cognizant about what you're saying, not just a, well, we emailed you. I sent it. Yeah. Or I <laughs> sent it. And and sometimes you want to, yeah. but, but you know, that's not the, you have to put on that like yeah. PR mindset of like, okay, how, like, how do I approach this and making sure that people, you know, even if you're exhausted and like constant comments and, and a lot of the times people forget that most rescues are volunteer based. Yep. You know, I, when every time I post something at school or something on my Instagram, people are like, you're a teacher. I thought you did rescue. And I'm like, no, rescue no. is, is my baby. It's mm-hmm. my, my free time job yeah. and with no pay. Yeah. Um, and so I think people forget that and they want a response now, or they want an answer now. Um, forgetting that you work a normal a eight life. to five and you're a human and yes. And yeah, have a life outside of rescue or at yeah. least try to, <laughs> although sometimes it feels like we don't. Right. Yeah. Um, well, I think, I personally, I really should have taken notes. Like I have learned, and as someone who has been in in marketing for professionally for a long time, I've learned a lot. So I really hope that um, our listeners and our viewers are able to take away because when it comes down to it, we survive based on the generosity Mm -hmm. of others and nonprofit. And and in order to engage those donors and engage those supporters and fosters and volunteers and cross-posters, we have to be able to tell our stories appropriately, but we also have to be able to navigate the algorithms and the the new trends and hashtags and and memes. And I think this will be a, a, a meme. We could do our whole, a whole other podcast on like memes and trends and trending like what maybe trending we'll, sounds. Sound, yes, we may have to come back and just do like a TikTok reels. Podcast if and this reels or hearing this reels on Instagram or where it's at. I actually, you did teach me that the last time we met, at. and I have been sharing all of our TikTok videos to Instagram reels. And you are absolutely <laughs> right; that gets more engagement. So reels, <laughs> Instagram reels. If you don't, they're they're so intuitive now. The platforms make it so easy to mm-hmm. make what looks like a professional yeah. piece I'm of content. I'm not good at editing. Right. So. You don't have to be a professional no. editor or, you know, videographer to make these look really good. And as long as you have a good subject, which we all do because they're real cute, you're going to find success. So Katie, thank you so much. Before yeah. we go, what are your social media handles so that people can see the examples and learn from you on social media? Yeah. So my handle's at Katie's Foster Fam and at Katie's Foster Fam Rescue. Um, it's Katie with a C. <laughs> yep. It's C-A-I-T-I-E. Yeah. And Foster Fam. Not farm. The, not farm. <laughs> and the number one missed thing is the first I. Okay. But supposedly if you Google Katie's Foster Fam, even missing the I. 
the it real shows one comes up. up. Good. That means you have good <laughs> SEO. So you're doing something right. Uh, thank you so much for joining us for this really educational uh, podcast. I'm sure this one is going to get a lot of engagement because this is going to be really helpful for all of our oh, thank rescuers you so much. out there. We're, it's it's a pleasure as yeah, always. Thank you for you. having me. Great yeah. to see you. And this is Conversations for the Animals. Thank you all so much for tuning in. 